John. I'm going to read the first 21 verses of chapter 10. Hear the word of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of all, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was, again, a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we pray that you would speak a word to us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would hear your voice and hear you call our names. We pray this in your name, amen. So not all shepherds are the same. Not all shepherds are good. 
In our reading this morning, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He draws a distinction between himself and the not-so-good shepherds. Jesus points out the difference between himself and the religious leaders who were giving him a hard time after he had healed a man who had been born blind. The conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders of Israel is escalating. It will, of course, eventually lead to his death. And Jesus is calling out the very people who have been charged by God with taking care of the flock of Israel. He's calling out the people who are supposed to be the protectors and the guardians of the flock. And he's saying that some of them are nothing more than self-interested thieves who want to fleece the flock. Not everyone who hangs around sheep is a good shepherd. Not everyone who shows up in the sheep pen is a friend to the lambs. The image of the nation of Israel as a flock of sheep and the leaders of the nation as shepherds, this is an old image. In our reading from the prophet Ezekiel, God calls out the leaders of Israel saying, You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Not all shepherds are good. You want to know what a good shepherd looks like? Just flip over all of the things that God says during Ezekiel's time. The good shepherd strengthens the weak. The good shepherd heals the sick. The good shepherd binds up the injured. The good shepherd brings back the strays. The good shepherd searches for the lost. The good shepherd rules gently. The good shepherd rules tenderly. Not all shepherds are good shepherds. Those of you who are shepherds might ask yourself how you stack up against this standard. And those of you who choose shepherds might think about these standards when you're making your choices. There are seven I am statements in the gospel of John. Seven times Jesus defines his identity using the formula I am X, Y, or Z. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Two of these I am statements show up in our reading this morning from chapter 10. I am the door of the sheep and I am the good shepherd. These statements were extremely provocative during the time of Jesus because Jesus uses the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. The name that a devout Jew doesn't dare pronounce lest they violate the prohibition on taking the name of the Lord in vain. Jesus uses the Hebrew name for God when he makes these I am statements. The first time he did it, the people picked up stones to kill him, but he escapes. So this week we hear Jesus tell us that he is the good shepherd. That's after he's accused the religious leaders in Jerusalem of being bad shepherds. The good shepherd is one of the most familiar images of Jesus. We've all seen paintings or stained glasses with Jesus as the good shepherd. 
fearlessly rescuing a lost lamb from a dangerous ledge, gently carrying a lamb draped over his shoulders, happily leading his lambs into green pastures. It's a familiar image. And this morning as we prepare ourselves to share in the Lord's Supper, a meal that is prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, a table at which the Lamb of God is both the host and the sacrifice, we will dig a little deeper into this image, this familiar image, this rich image, this image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. This morning I want to make four points And I don't want you to miss any of these points. And I want you to hold them all together as a bundle. So let me list them first for you. And then we'll talk about them individually. Number one. Jesus, the good shepherd, knows his sheep. And the sheep know the shepherd. Jesus. Number two. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's not the slave driver. Number three, Jesus is both the good shepherd and the Lamb of God. And number four, the good shepherd accepts the worship of his sheep. Number one, Jesus, the good shepherd, knows his sheep and the sheep know their shepherd Jesus. This passage tells us that Jesus calls his sheep by name. I don't know if that surprises you, but Jesus knows your name. Four times in this passage, Jesus says that certain sheep belong to the good shepherd and that those sheep recognize his voice. The sheep belonging to the good shepherd know his voice. They listen to his voice, but they don't know or they don't listen to the voices of strangers. I don't know what more to say about this very strange phenomenon except to say that it is absolutely true and it perfectly describes how people respond to Jesus. Some people hear Jesus' voice and other people don't. Those other people hear other voices. They follow other shepherds. Everybody follows one shepherd or another. It's very mysterious, but it's absolutely true. Preachers often feel the pressure to preach a sermon that gets through the clutter, that gets heard, that finds its mark, that takes root. Sometimes I stand up here and it's like preaching to a brick wall. It's as if the words are just bouncing off of all of the unmoving, stony faces. And in a panic, sometimes I wonder... Is everyone's hearing aid switched off? Or did I drive to the wrong church this morning? Is this the Korean Presbyterian church? The response that people have to a sermon is absolutely unpredictable to me. I never know what sermons people will like. But then I think of Jesus. He was God. All of his sermons were perfect. He never got the gospel wrong. And you know what? There were lots of people who heard Jesus preach and they just shrugged their shoulders and said, eh. Or they said, he's crazy. It's an undeniable fact. Some people hear Jesus' voice. They get him. He makes sense to them. And then they follow him. Jesus, the shepherd, knows his sheep. He knows them by name. And... The sheep know their shepherd, Jesus. 
Number two, Jesus is a good shepherd. He is not a slave driver. Verse four says, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus embodies a countercultural model of leadership. Jesus, the good shepherd, steps out in front. He goes first. And then the sheep follow the sound of his voice. The sheep follow the shepherd where the shepherd himself has already gone. No force. No coercion. No threats. No compulsion. Jesus, the leader, goes first. He provides the example. And his voice is an invitation to follow along behind. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavily laden, for I will give you rest. The good shepherd is the opposite of a slave driver or a cowpoke. The slave driver, the cowpoke, walks behind the poor creatures that he drives in front of himself. And with a lash or with a cattle prod, they force those poor creatures to do the things and to go the places that they themselves won't go or do. Some people think that being a leader means having power over other people. The power to demand, the power to control, the power to punish. If there are people under your authority, if there are people who have been entrusted to you, if you are directing them and controlling them by flexing your muscles or by exercising your power or by threatening them with punishment or retribution, then you are not acting like the Good Shepherd. You are not exercising the Christian model of leadership. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus says to his disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And St. Peter picks up the same theme, writing in 1 Peter 5, 3 and 2 and 3. Be shepherds to God's flock under your care, not lording it over them who have been entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. The good shepherd, the example to the flock, goes first. And then he invites us to follow. Christ-like leadership is relational. Christ-like leadership is by example. People follow Jesus because they love him, not because they fear him. People follow Jesus because he went first and he did all of the things that he asks us to do. Jesus doesn't stand behind his flock, barking orders at them, cracking his whip, and neither should we. Those of us who have people entrusted to our care. Number three, Jesus is both the good shepherd and the Lamb of God. Again, we find ourselves in the presence of a great mystery. The astounding mystery of the gospel is that God provides the sacrifice that atones for our sin. The Astounding mystery of the gospel is that God's mercy meets the demands of God's justice. God's law is majestic, it is awesome, it is unchanging. God's justice reveals God's unchanging eternal character. When we ignore God's law, it's kind of like ignoring the law of gravity. That's a great way to 
take a headlong spill and get hurt, when we ignore God's law, when we neglect God's justice, God calls that sin. And sin has consequences, consequences in this life and consequences in the life to come. And God demands a payment for that sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But because God loves us, God offers his own life as a payment for our sins. In John 15, 13, Jesus says to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. It was John the baptizer whose voice we heard way back in John 1, chapter, uh, John chapter 1, verse 29. John the baptizer sees Jesus walking at a distance and he calls out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In our reading this morning in verses 15 and verses 18, we hear Jesus say, I lay down my life for my sheep. We hear him say, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the lamb of God who laid down his life to save his sheep. In the Lord's Supper this morning, we remember the self-sacrifice of Jesus. We remember that our good shepherd gave up his life so that his sheep might be rescued. He laid down his life in self-imposed weakness and he took it up again three days later in self-revealing power. The mysterious truth that we proclaim and share in this sacrament is that Jesus is both the shepherd and the Lamb of God. And finally, number four, The good shepherd accepts the worship of his sheep. Worship, I hope you understand, is serious business. Worship is an expression of adoration and honor and respect and love. Worship is entirely unreserved. It is a total surrender. And worship is always done in public for the world to see. Worship is complete. Worship is shameless. In worship, we hold back nothing and we pour out our love and our affection for the one who is totally worthy. The Bible makes it clear that we dare not worship anyone except God. Under the Mosaic law, worshiping anyone beside God was instantly punished with death. Worship is a serious business. The human heart was designed by God for worship. Our very being is out of sorts. It's off kilter. If we don't worship regularly, if we deny our rightful worship to the one true God, our hearts will create second-rate idols for our worship. John Calvin said that the human heart is a perpetual factory of idols. If our sights are not fixed on God, our hearts will invent something else, someone else to worship. 
And when we do, we not only insult God by stealing the worship that belongs to him, we also remain dissatisfied. Because deep down, we know that the idol is a fraud. We know that the idol is second rate. All idols crumble and every alternative to God disappoints. You and I were were made for worship. And we are not satisfied until we worship Almighty God, our Creator. I say all of this to... uh, let you realize how amazing it is what we read last week in John chapter 9 verse 38 where we learned that the blind man worshipped Jesus and Jesus accepted his worship. After he had healed him, Jesus says to the blind man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this man who had been blind says to Jesus, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus says to him, you have seen him, and it, it is he who is speaking to you. And then the man who was once blind but could now see says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. And then he begins to worship Jesus right there in the street. It's a serious business, this worship. In Acts chapter 10, we have the story of Cornelius... He's a Roman military commander. And an angel appears to Cornelius and tells Cornelius that his prayers have been answered and that he should go find someone named Simon Peter who has a message for him. And so Cornelius dispatches some of his soldiers to find Peter and they bring the apostle to Cornelius' house. And when Peter arrives, the Roman commander falls to the ground and he begins to worship Peter. But Peter grabs him up off the floor and he pulls him to his feet and he says, stand up. I am only a man myself. In other words, don't you dare worship me. I might be St. Peter, but don't you dare worship me because God alone deserves your worship. When the man who had been blind worshipped Jesus, Jesus received that worship. Jesus deserves our worship. We owe it to Him. Unreserved, total surrender, complete adoration because He is good, because He is holy, because He has made us out of nothing, because He died so that we could have a new life. One of the most ancient hymns of the church, a hymn written even before the first gospel had been penned, a hymn that is captured for us in the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians, that hymn tells us that Jesus Christ, quote, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, therefore... God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is why we are here today, to worship Jesus, 
Because his name is above every name. Because he is worthy. Because he is beautiful. Because he is from everlasting to everlasting. Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because he is the good shepherd. Because he is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. The Apostle John, who is the author of the Gospel of John was the only one of the twelve disciples who was not martyred. He died in exile as a very old man on the Isle of Patmos. And while he was there, God gave him a vision of heaven, of what's going on in heaven right now. In chapter 5, John writes, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands time ten thousand, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Not all shepherds are the same. Not all shepherds are good. Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd and that he calls his sheep by name and that his sheep know his voice and they follow him. Jesus tells us that he lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus tells us that he knows his own and that his own know him. My prayer for you this morning is that you would hear the voice of Jesus. That you would hear him call your name. That you would know that he laid down his life to save your life. My prayer for you this morning is that you would say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. And that you would go wherever he leads you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are from everlasting to everlasting. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You were there when you called this world into being. You will be there when this world is wrapped up and when it's replaced by a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. You will be there present in glorious light surrounded by the saints and by all of the angels in the new Jerusalem. And we will sing your praises forever because you are worthy. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you that you had the authority to lay down your own life for us and to take it up again when the time had come. We thank you for loving the Apostle John 
for loving him in a special way, for holding him close to your chest. We thank you for these words of scripture that he caused to be saved for us. We thank you for this glimpse into your character and your nature. We thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you love the sheep, that you know each and every one, that you take risks for us, that you lay down your life for us. Lord, I pray this morning that our ears would be open and that we would hear your voice. Lord Jesus, you have the words of life. Speak them to us. Amen.